0: If you are looking for a, uh, a good book, a good, challenging book, that will, in my opinion, uh, bless you tremendously spiritually, uh, a good book to read, uh, let me recommend Disciplines of a Godly Man by Kent Hughes. Uh, I think so highly of this book that I have given it out to uh, a number of you and probably to some outside of our church as well. And I have another copy here that I would like to give out uh, after the service is over. So if you would like it, please see me. It's uh, absolutely free. But again, it's, a, it's an excellent book and it will, uh, I believe, uh, be a real blessing to you spiritually. Uh, the sermon uh, this morning, is uh, taken from uh, one of the chapters in this book, essentially, not totally, not entirely, but essentially taken from one of the chapters in this book by Kent Hughes. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, this is uh, something that uh, you call us to do when we gather for worship. Uh, You call us, among other things, to have the preaching of your word. And so, Heavenly Father, we want to do that now. We want to do that under you, uh, under your blessing, under your control for your glory. Uh, Heavenly Father, please uh, continue to be with us today In your grace please continue to work and uh, we pray that you will be greatly honored uh, during this time and from uh, the fruits of this time as well we pray in jesus name amen a verse that has made an impression on me in the past From the book of Proverbs is Proverbs chapter 22, verse 1. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 1 reads A good name is more desirable than great riches, to be esteemed is better than silver or gold. Proverbs 22, verse 1 is a verse about integrity. It is a verse that speaks to us of the value, the importance of integrity. It is a verse that praises the virtue of integrity. This morning, we are going to spend time considering the biblical subject of integrity for the glory of God in our lives we are going to do a study of this subject and the points we will use for our study are number one the demise or the death of integrity today number two the Lord God on integrity Three, the shape of integrity. Next, the benefits of integrity. And last, the discipline of integrity. First, the demise of integrity today. The day America told the truth is a book. Based on an extensive opinion survey, which guaranteed the anonymity of the participants. The book reveals a crisis of integrity in America today. Only 13% of Americans see all Ten Commandments as. Binding on us. 91% lie regularly at home and at work. Most workers admit to goofing off for an average of seven hours a week, almost one whole day a week, and half. 50% admit that they regularly call in sick when they are perfectly well. This survey also posed the question, what are you willing to do for $10 million? 25% said they would abandon their families for $10 million. 23% said they would become a prostitute for a week. 7% said they would kill a stranger. Now I want you to think about that last one. In a random gathering, Of one hundred Americans, there are seven who would consider murdering you if the price was right. In a gathering of a thousand, there are seventy. You go to a Penn State football game where there are a hundred thousand people present. And according to this survey, 7,000 people at that game would snuff you out for $10 million. In a past paper presented at a symposium on employee theft sponsored by the American Psychological Association, the authors pointed out that inventory shortages cost department stores and specialty chains $8 billion every year. Items missing from the stores amount to $8 billion every year. You say, well, some of that has to be due to clerical error. Okay, 10%. Some of that has to be due to shoplifting. Okay, 30% a whopping 60% or $16 million each day is attributed to theft by employees. The truth is American culture is in big trouble. The survival of life as we would like to think of it is being severely threatened because of a lack of integrity. However, for the Christian, the most sobering fact is this. There is little statistical difference between the ethical practices of the religious and the non-religious. For instance, a Gallup poll has found that 43% of non-church attenders admit to stealing work supplies, 43%. And 37% of church attenders admit to doing that as well. But we may say, wait a minute, wait a minute. is is this true of professing Christians, of professing Christians? And I have read that the answer to that is yes. I have read that the general ethical conduct of professing Christians varies only slightly from non-Christians with certain exceptions, of course. Sadly, professing Christians are almost as likely as non-Christians to falsify their income tax returns, commit plagiarism, bribe to obtain a building permit, ignore construction specs, illegally copy a computer program, exaggerate a product, tell people what they want to hear. Integrity has taken a colossal slide among professing Christians as well. I hold in my hand a book by Warren Weersby. It's entitled The Integrity Crisis. And it's a book about the integrity crisis among Christians among people in the church. A blemished church struggles with accountability and morality among its leaders and laity. Professing Christians are lacking that good name of Proverbs 22, verse 1. Before I move us on to our second point, let me me ask you this. How are you in your life in reference to our subject of this morning? Are you a person of integrity? Is integrity important to you? Are you establishing a good name for the glory of God. The front of our bulletin has a quote from Helmut Talica, a a German pastor and theologian who lived during the time of Adolf Hitler, during the time of the Third Reich. And uh, he has said this, The avoidance of one small fib may be a stronger confession of faith than a whole Christian philosophy championed in lengthy, forceful discussion. How are you in your life in reference to integrity? Our second point this morning is the Lord God on integrity. Let's make sure we really do have the backing of God here in reference to what we're talking about this morning. Uh, Turn to the story of Ananias and Sapphira, which we read earlier, Acts chapter five. Ananias and Sapphira knew they were deceiving the church when they sold some property and agreed to act as if they were giving all the proceeds to the church when in fact they were only giving part. What what did the Lord God think of their deception? What does the Lord God say here about integrity? I'll just reread the first three verses of chapter five. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife, Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart? that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land. Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to men, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. The first five verses of chapter 5. What does the Lord God say here about integrity? May we say from this story, the Lord God considers integrity important. May we say The Lord God calls us to be people of integrity. May we say, the Lord teaches a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. May we say, God is a God of integrity, and when we professing Christians lack integrity, we disfigure him. In the eyes of the world. I think we may say each of these things. Integrity is to be a part of our lives we see in the Bible to the glory of God. With Job, we are to declare through the grace of God, till I die I will not put away my integrity from me, Job 27, verse 5. Integrity is also what we are to be about as Christians. There are many stories one could tell about Dr. Gerstner. Perhaps my favorite one is when a lady came up to him after one of his sermons and said to him, Dr. Gerstner, you made me feel this big today. To which Dr. Gerstner replied, ma'am, that's this much, too much. And then there was the time when Dr. Gerstner in conversation with R.C. Sproul said, I would rather die than lie. I would rather stop living than tell a lie. That's what we're talking about now. What does the Lord God say about integrity? He says to us that we're to be like Job and we're to live out till we die, we will not put our integrity away from us. Our third third point this morning is the shape of integrity, or what, what exactly are we talking about when we use this word, integrity? Integrity has to do with being honest and righteous. Honest and righteous in one's entire person. The biblical idea of integrity has the root idea of completeness. Completeness, entireness, wholeness, integrity characterizes the entire person, not just part of him. He is honest and righteous through and through. He is that on the inside and also in outer action. Let me go on by giving some concrete expressions of integrity. A, a person of integrity doesn't lie. B, a person of integrity never cheats another, never steals from another. Proverbs 11, verse 1. The Lord abhors dishonest scales, but accurate weights are His delight. Silver was weighed on scales balanced against a stone weight. Stone weights with dishonest labels were used for cheating. The Lord abhors. Dishonest scales, but accurate weights are his delight. There are so many ways to casually steal, which so many people regard as okay. Taking office supplies from work, long lunches at work, extravagant meals for work, ignoring copyright laws, claiming improper deductions. But the person of integrity avoids all such temptations to God's glory. Zacchaeus, when he was converted, went on to say, Lord, if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And then C, the person of integrity keeps his, her word. He never promises to do something he does not intend to do. And when he makes a promise, he follows through on it, even when that becomes tough to do. As the psalmist writes, in Psalm 15, verse 4, the person of integrity keeps his oath even when it hurts. Psalm 15, verse 4, even when it hurts. Dr. Gerstner again, he made arrangements with a man for him to come on a particular day and do some work at his home. Dr. Gerstner cleared his schedule and waited for the man all day, all day because the man never showed up. Dr. Gerstner went on to see the man later and brought up what I have just mentioned to you. And the man said, oh, something else came up. I had the opportunity to go after a much larger job. Don't worry, I'll get to you. The person of integrity keeps his word even when it hurts. And then D, a person of integrity is a person of principle. And we don't mean by that, that the person has principles, but we mean that the person stands up for those principles, that person stands up for those convictions when it costs him or her. What does integrity look like? It's being honest and righteous through and through, on the inside, and in outer action. Not lying, not cheating, keeping our word, and standing up for our convictions. Here's our fourth point, the benefits of integrity. The benefits of honesty and righteousness. As I'm sure you know, integrity can cost us being honest and righteous can, can cost us a relationship, a promotion, a job. Some people have lost their lives for integrity, but integrity also has its benefits. For instance, A, it will glorify God. And what's more important than that? It will show people what the Lord God is like. He's honest. He's righteous. He's trustworthy. He's dependable. It will glorify God and by His grace bring praise and worship to God. A week or two ago on a Sunday evening, I reminded us of Psalm 19, verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God. Creation declares God's wisdom, His power, His greatness. People of integrity declare the glory of God. B, integrity also contributes to a deep intimacy with God. David tells us in Psalm 51, verse 6, that God desires truth in the inner parts. Quote, and when it's there, the Lord rejoices in the fellowship with that heart. It contributes to a deep intimacy with God. Why why is my fellowship so weak? Why is intimacy with God so foreign? Did you ever think about checking out your integrity? See, integrity brings the blessing of a clear conscience. In other words, if we're honest and righteous, our heart does not condemn us. Our conscience does not smite us. When I was in college, one of the dorms, in which I lived was uh, a house structure. You'd look at it and you would think it's a house, but it was a a dorm. And one day in in that dorm, uh, a water fight broke out. It uh, probably started with uh, a glass of water being dumped on uh, someone. And then it went from that to uh, perhaps water balloons, being thrown and then to little trash cans of water being thrown on people. And then it got to the point where there was one or more garbage cans being filled. Dennis is laughing, were you there Dennis for, for this? Garbage cans being filled with water and being thrown around. So much water was present that the water started seeping down into the basement of the house where the dorm father and his wife lived. Well, as you can imagine, he came running up the stairs, mad, and started gathering together the ones involved in this water fight. And I can close my eyes and still remember sitting in my room and him standing in the doorway he probably threw open my door and st- there he is standing in the doorway Carlberg were you part of this water fight coach i honestly have been sitting here the whole time i've been studying it's probably hard for you to imagine it's even hard for me to imagine but i've been sitting here studying and My heart did not condemn me. My conscience did not smite me because I told the truth. At that point, I was a person of integrity. And then last, D, there is an evangelistic magnetism to integrity. I also have put on the front of our bulletin uh, uh, this prayer, taken from the Valley of Vision, the front of our bulletin. Oh God, may every part of my character and conduct make a serious and amiable impression on others and impel them to ask the way to the master. There is a magnetism in reference to pointing people Showing people, drawing people to the Lord Jesus through integrity. The light of integrity so shines in this dark world that uh, God uses integrity to draw people to the Lord Jesus Christ. Integrity and evangelism, a potent combination. Well, let me ask you again. Are are you a person of integrity? Is integrity important to you? I can hardly overstate its importance. It glorifies God. It contributes to deep fellowship, intimacy with God. It brings the blessing of a clear conscience and God uses honesty and righteousness to draw people to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's our last point, the discipline of integrity. Uh, In other words, what, what can we do to be people of integrity? I'll say three things here. A. To be people of integrity, we must let God's word be our standard. We must have the Bible as our standard, not our culture. The ethics of the Bible must be our rule and must be kept at all costs. The first step down For any Christian is taken when he surrenders his high opinion of the Bible. First step down when you start throwing out the inerrancy, the authority of the Bible. We must not conform to the pattern of this world, we must have the Bible as our standard. And of course, we must pray to God for the power of the Holy Spirit to enable us to follow the ethics of the Bible. B, from the ethics of the Bible, we must discipline ourselves to be truthful at all times, to be always honest in our hearts, to be always honest in our actions. We must never be careless about the truth. And at this point, it would be good to bring in this little saying, the act of being truthful, okay? We're saying at all times, be truthful. The act of being truthful, here it is. Sow an act, and you reap a habit. Sow a habit, and you reap a character. Sow a character, and you reap A destiny for yourself, your family, your church, your world. And then C, the most important thing I could say about the discipline of integrity is, do you have the Lord Jesus Christ in your heart? You see, integrity is an issue of the heart. So do you know Jesus Christ as your savior from sin and the Lord of your life? It is not until one is a believer, a true believer in Jesus Christ, that he, that she will be properly interested in and properly capable of honesty And righteousness. And so have you ever gone by God's enablement to the Lord Jesus and bowed before him and asked him for his mercy and asked him to forgive you of your sins, to come into your life, to take over your life for his glory? We've covered a lot today, and right before I review what we've covered, because I think it's that important for me to review, let me say once again Disciplines of a Godly Man. Much of this was taken from one of the chapters, and uh, I'd love to give this out to somebody, and if I have four or five of you come, then uh, we'll make sure we get four or five uh, copies of this too, to pass out. Point one, the demise of integrity. There is a dearth of integrity today with people, not only out of but also in the church. You should preach this people to those people out there. Preach this message to those people out there. Well, that that's probably true, but it also needs to be right here and right here. Number two, the Lord God on integrity. Believer, it's God's will for us to live lives of integrity for his glory. The shape of integrity, honesty and righteousness on the inside and in outer action. The benefits of integrity, glorifies God, contributes to deep intimacy with God, brings the blessing of a clear conscience, and there's an evangelistic power to integrity. The discipline of integrity, we must let God's word be our standard. We must discipline ourselves to be truthful at all times, and we must ask, since this is really an issue of the heart, is the Lord Jesus Christ really in my heart as my Savior and as my Lord. Let's pray.